Welcome to a bonus episode of Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast. This is Corey Weathers, and I'm thrilled to share with you a military spouse journey. For the next week, I'm going to join the Secretary of Defense as he travels to visit the troops in the Middle East for his holiday tour. Join me as we go on this ride on how it changes me, my marriage, and hopefully how it can better yours. Well, hello everybody. Welcome to day three of a military spouse journey. Um, I have lots to share with you today. Um, I hope that you guys are enjoying what I'm putting out there so far. I haven't had any Wi-Fi today, so I haven't been able to um, check and see what's happening on social media, but um, I noticed that there was like 50-something Facebook things, so I, I hope that that's all good stuff and that you're enjoying it. And um, uh, my, I, my hope is that I'm bringing up some topics that hopefully are good for us to all think about and talk about. Um, so I have lots of things to cover. I'm going to try not to talk too fast, um, but I have some really, I think, good things to talk about. And um, I just want to say that I'm actually learning so much in this process. I mean, every moment of the day is filled with thoughts of boy, I wish that I could either share this or um, the thinking um, that I'm having about my own relationship and and going back in my mind and, and experiences that or conversations that Matt and I have had in the past that um, are coming to mind um, for me as I'm seeing things and experiencing things. There's just so much. Um, and that's actually been happening since weeks before this trip was even happening. And so um, I'm actually putting all of that down on paper and um, it's turning actually into a book um, of what it's like to um, switch roles and to be in this in this role and have Matt back at home. For those of you who don't know, um, we had just PCS'd and um, the day that I left, Matt actually received all of our household goods by himself. And so our roles really are <laughs> reversed and he's at home and he's doing a, just, of course, he's doing a great job with the kids because he's an awesome guy and he's an awesome dad. Um, but sweetly unpacking all the boxes and hanging pictures and putting the Christmas tree up. And I'm, I'm just so appreciative of that. And it's neat to be on this side thinking about him preparing, um, home for me to come home to and, um, how grateful I am for that. And it's interesting to be grateful for something that I used to do and probably will do again. And now I have a different perspective on, um, how important those things are. Um, I've had so many conversations today and, um, but first, where did I go? Oh yes. Um, so I stayed in Iraq. Um, we went to actually to Erbil, Iraq. And for those of you who don't know, because I didn't know, um, <laughs> it's in Northern Iraq and, um, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about, um, my feelings of being naive. And I think that a lot of us, who, if you were in my shoes, I think you would find yourself um, naive as well. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, but just to start off, something that will kind of freak my family out, but <laughs> is kind of funny that yesterday I was saying how crazy our um, motorcades are here in Bahrain and going 
to and from the airport. And um, on the way home a few minutes ago, we actually had a fender bender. <laughs> Our press van hit the press van in, in front of us. And it was small and it was minor and nobody was hurt. And, but we actually all laughed about it because we had been saying, like, why are we going so fast? And, and that's just apparently the experience. But um, it was kind of funny. And uh, what was really strange is that I actually feel like I saw that this morning. Like, I saw it coming. Um, how could you not see it coming with the way that they were driving? But um, anyways, everybody's okay. And um, it was just funny after I had said that in yesterday's video. So... Um, so I went to Erbil, which we went to in a base um, where a lot of our army are placed there. Um, and the female soldier that was driving the van told us that um, it's called Danger. And we were like, what a horrible name <laughs> to call it. Um, but um, I just had a really great time. And I got to spend a lot of time with our female soldiers today and hear a little bit from their perspective what it's like to be a female soldier deployed and um, see their live where they live and um, where they sleep and um, really get to experience from their perspective the challenges of being a female soldier, um, the challenges of being dual military. Um, I'm, I'm starting to pick up on some of those challenges more and more. Um, and um, and really just getting to see living conditions that are a little bit more, um, I guess, of a rough lifestyle of living. And um, it was great perspective for me to have. So uh, one of the things that I have thought about is you know, what to show you and what to take pictures of along the way, because I want to tweet those out. And um, I was hoping to tweet them throughout the day, but without Wi-Fi, um, I'm just going to have to throw them all out there at once um, for you to enjoy. Um, but I'm trying to think of what to take pictures of, because I know that our service members often take a lot of pictures of what it's like in theater. And um, I didn't want to duplicate that. I really wanted, I was really trying to look from the perspective of what would, uh, what am I surprised to see? Um, not just the basic things, but what am I surprised to see? And what would I think that other spouses would be surprised to see if they were here too? And those are the things that I'm trying to take pictures of other than um, taking selfies, which I'm trying to have fun with that, um, with, with people that I come across. And um, hopefully going to try to do more of those because um, I just think you need to have fun. And um, I'm starting to loosen up myself a little bit here. And uh, and. And I, I just think we need to have fun. So um, I'm trying to do some selfies and do some little videos that you can see here and there along the way um, that hopefully makes it feel like you are here. And I should have done video of the motorcade because that would have been fun. <laughs> so, okay. Because of this whole picture dilemma, um, I knew going into this trip that part of the problem of having the right perspective and the right images in our minds as family members. And I'm also thinking of parents of soldiers as well, that we try to picture where they are. We try to picture whether or not they're safe. We try to picture if they're um, in a good place and whether they're sleeping well and all of that. And, and when we get these still shots, these frames, if you will, all you get is um, the frame and your, your brain can't build the story outside of that. So for example, when you're watching this video right now, all you see is the curtains on this side and this picture. 
I'm not a very good newscaster here in this picture over here. But what you don't see is what's outside of that. You don't know how big this room is and what else is filling this space. And so that happens to you when our service members are deployed. And if you are only taking a picture of service members of where you're living um, and not taking videos, which, ooh, mental note, I took pictures today and I need to do more videos, um, then you you don't really get an accurate picture. And what ends up happening is like when my husband was sending me just pictures of where he was in Afghanistan, um, I really think that that's what Afghanistan is going to look like is this. It's right here. So, for example, you don't know that if, if I turn this, is going to get bright with lights. But, you know, I'm in a much bigger space, but showing video helps with that. So um, that's number one, that... Um, service members for sure take more videos um, if you're going to show somebody where you're living and what it's like to be living there the videos will give your family members a much better picture of what it is that they are seeing um, so number two wow jet lag um I don't know if it's just being I mean I had seven hours of sleep last night and that was wonderful um, I thought that I would feel so much better today, and I, I, I did starting off, but what I noticed very quickly, maybe it's because of all the flying I'm doing, because I'm flying twice a day, um, that I felt like I was walking on a ship all day, like the floor was moving, and um, I finally said something to somebody, one of the other press members, and, and I was like, you know, what is that? And, and he was basically saying, when you're that tired, um, it's kind of what happens. The floor is shifting and your equilibrium is off. And so, wow, the jet lag is incredible. And um, it makes me think of um, a lot of our Air Force members who, um, what their jet lag must be like if they're going through that all the time. Or maybe they get used to that. So maybe that's a question I'll ask them. Um, okay, so if you listen to one of my podcasts a few episodes back, I talked about Maslow's hierarchy of need. It's like in the shape of a pyramid. Um, and there's seven levels to it. I'm not going to go into that a lot, but basically the idea behind that is, um, that we all want to function at our highest level of functioning. Um, it's called self-actualization and that's when we're at our best and we know our purpose and we know what we're called to do and we love what we do. And we just feel like we're living our dream right? And we're doing really well and family succeeding and, and all of us would love to function up there all the time. And I think the military would love for, for us as families to function like that and as um, service members to function like that and um, civilians as well. We all would want to function like that, but that can't happen if these other previous six levels don't happen in order first. And so the very first level of that is basic needs. Um, and the second level is safety and security. And I've been talking lately um, in that last podcast, which I would encourage you to go back and listen to. Um, I've been talking lately about how as family members, we are constantly looping through that ladder every time we relocate. So while we would love to be completely resilient up here at the top, if we're only getting up three or four rungs and then we move and have to start over and we have to establish our basic needs of, you know, where's the grocery store and, and let's get some sleep because moving has taken a lot out of us or, um, where let's get our household in order. And those are our basic needs on that bottom rung. And if we're continuously dropping down to that, we're going to get exhausted. So I was thinking about that today as I was ex visiting soldiers and, um, and, and it was kind of a continuous thought from yesterday when I was talking to you guys about, um, 
the care package issue and how we tend to send them all these things and we ask them, what do you want? What do you want that I can send you? And, and we often hear that answer, I don't need anything. Well, the, the question we ask is, what do you want? And the answer we get is that I don't need anything. And I think what I realized in a continuation of yesterday into today is that when you are living on such a basic level of functioning and um, the military obviously does a really good job of making sure all of your basic needs are met. And um, when we're not doing well, that's, you know, we have a lot of caregivers like chaplains who are coming in and making sure that your basic needs are met because you can't function up here and do the mission if you don't have the basics of food, shelter, sleep, all of that. Well, I think that, um, and I, I asked a few service members today if this was true, and they, they nodded their head in agreement that when you are functioning on a very basic level all day long, um, you kind of shut your brain off to the things that you would like to have, the things that you would want. Um, and you don't stretch your mind out to that realm because you're not likely going to get what you want. Uh, you only need to focus on what you need. And so when we get, when we as family members ask that question, what would you like me to send you? I remember asking that and being frustrated because I didn't know what to send. Um, there it's, it seems like their brains are just not, not needing to go there. Um, it reminds me of when I, Matt and I first started off when we got married and, um, it was 17 years ago and, and we were not making a whole lot of money. And, um, I just remember being very content at that place in our life and we had our basic needs, but I remember purposefully not going and buying magazines, um, at the fashion magazines at the store, because I didn't want to be tempted to have things that I really couldn't just lavishly go out and buy at that stage of my life. And I kind of shut down that part of my brain and, um, so that's one of the things that I really noticed. But here's the thing. When, when you're deployed and you have your basic needs met, you know, the next one up, I said, is safety and security. And, and that's something we see them doing in deployment a lot is, is the constant looking around and, and hyper aware. And um, I even talked with uh, had a really great conversation with one of the, um, I don't know what you call them. Um, they're not quite secret service. She was actually CID and she explained to me that a lot of, um, CID officers, um, spend a year or two doing this kind of detail work of, um, like a secret service guarding. And here's an example of me being super naive and not having the right words, but, um, she, she was explaining how, you know, you're hyper aware, especially in that job. I'm constantly looking around and, um, and getting an idea of, of everything that's happening around you. And we talk a lot about our service members coming home and, you know, being hyper aware. And so, you know, you have your basic needs, you've got your need for safety and security. And the, the one above that is love and belonging. And that's why for our, a lot of our um, service members, they develop that camaraderie that's so wonderful because you have to. I mean, I had a soldier tell me yesterday that um, sometimes you just have to connect, even if you don't want to. Sometimes you just have to. And you, um, what, what they don't normally talk about maybe is that in Baghdad, sometimes they start a bonfire and they get around and, and, and just hang out. And, um, and that's where that camaraderie has to develop because everybody has a need for love and belonging. And when there is none, you find ways to create it. And so we can all understand why that camaraderie is there. 
And of course, above that is achievement. And that comes with completing the mission. And that's something that I've really enjoyed hearing from people is the satisfaction of the mission being complete, whatever your mission is, whether it's landing a plane, whether it's going out in combat, whatever it is, you know, whether you're a nurse or a physician in the OR, um, you get to um, have the satisfaction of completing the mission. And when you know that it was completed, um, hopefully without any hiccups or any obstacles, there's that satisfaction of I did well and I did a good job. And, um, and I think we can all understand that. So that's where their focus is most of the time. So um, let's talk for a minute about um, how humbled I have been in this experience and how completely naive and ignorant I realize that I am. And um, I felt really bad about that at first. And the more naive I feel each day, um, the more I just kind of have to tell myself, you know, I think if the average military spouse um, came on this trip, they would feel the same way. And um, my husband right now is listening to this and he's nodding his head about how naive I am because... um, So many times, maybe you've had this experience too, so many times I've asked him a question to explain to me what's going on in Iraq, what's going on in Syria, what's going on um, in the Middle East in general, and and he'll try to explain it to me, and I I have to ask for his forgiveness, um, Matt, because um, I I think I shut my brain down sometimes when, when he starts going into everything and stuff that I need to know. And I think I just shut my brain off and, um, whether it's because it's overwhelming or it just sounds too complicated and I just, I'll never get it. Um, whatever it's wrong. It's wrong for me to do that. And being here has shown me, um, how naive I am with what's really going on in the world. And, um, like any, other person in America, a lot of the information that I, I get about what's going on in the world comes through um, the press and the news when I get a chance to watch it. And I'll admit that I don't watch the news as much as I would even like to because kids are walking around and I don't want them to be exposed to everything that's going on in the news. And, and then, you know, I have to turn to my phone to read CNN or read something that's coming through on a mobile device. And then I feel bad for being on my mobile device too much. And, and so then I just end up walking away completely uneducated. Um, and I think that there's been some pretty big themes for me in this trip so far. And one of them that is proving true every day is just how important it is for us to absolutely know what's going on in the world around us. Um, that we need to be reading the news. We need to be watching what's going on. We need to be asking our service members, our spouses, um, to explain to us their part of the mission and how that fits into the bigger part of what's going on in the world. And uh, military leaders, let me just um, give a shout out to you that this is another free way that you can get family members um, on board and feeling like they're part of something bigger than themselves. And that's educating them. Um, the hard part I know is getting us families to show up and families. We need to show up. Um, we need to show up and listen to what the mission is that our service member is going to do. I know, and I understand that when they do the same thing every single day, you know, I was talking to um, another guy on the plane um, on the way this morning who 
it was in charge of maintenance of the plane and um, and a lot a lot of things, putting the bed the, the plane to sleep every night and making sure that everything's working and everything is functioning and ready to go for the next morning. And he was saying that the day before he had cha- had to change a tire, which I can't even imagine changing a tire on a C seventeen. Like, how do you do that? Um, I'm, I'm going to have to Google that. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, but I just had to say to him, you know, I'm I'm sure because I've been there, I have to assume that, um, you may not think that that's a big deal, but I am sure glad that you changed the tire. I am really glad that you checked the plane and that that's what it means to be part of a no fail mission is that we all play a part. And, um, and so I just wanted to say to you guys that, um, there's all these pieces to the puzzle that make um, what our service member do, impo- what he does, what she does, it's, that it's crucial to the overall mission, no matter how small that is. And so when your service member comes home from work or comes home from deployment or calls home from deployment and talks about the same thing that they're doing every single day and you've heard it 17 million times, um, that we kind of have to remember that that is a small piece, but a crucial piece to the overall mission. Um, and to just be able to say to them how thankful we are for that small piece that they play, because if they don't play it, the mission fails. And, um, and I realized today, um, that spouses, we are part of a no fail mission that, Everything that's happening in the Middle East right now and our service members role in in the world events, whether that is at home being trained for something, whether it's keeping our own country safe, um, our first responders too, or whether they're deployed and doing something somewhere else and um, playing the part there that our role in supporting them is part of a no fail mission. It can't fail. It, it, um, it's really not going to go good if it fails. And when you trace that all the way back, when I talk to when I ask a service member, tell me about your spouse, um, the gleam that comes up in their eyes, um, the pain that follows because they miss them so much. Um, and that distraction of missing them so much, we play a huge role in that mission succeeding. And that comes in our support of them. And it comes in listening to what they love to do. And it comes in them listening to us too. I'm not, I don't want to be so heavy handed that I'm not, um, also saying that, um, spouses, what we do is important. And you know, hopefully, you know, and if you haven't heard, um, that that's a lot of what I do the rest of the time when I'm not doing what I'm doing right now is, is really, um, highlighting how spouses make a difference and how hard we work. Um, but for the sake of this trip, I want to say that that I want to challenge you, um, spouses, that that is our role is to breathe life into your service member so that they are able to complete the, the mission that they have, the small piece of the puzzle that makes a no fail mission succeed. And therefore, when you trace it back, our marriages are also a no fail mission. And it is um, something that cannot fail. And when you choose to accept that and you choose to put on those glasses and see it through that lens, um, 
When you say to yourself, my marriage will be a no-fail mission, whatever we have to do to make this work, whatever we have to do to learn how to communicate better, whatever it takes to be uh, more connected and to heal past wounds and push through conflict and become better parents and whatever that takes, I will do it because I want to be part of this mission of our marriage succeeding and I refuse to let it fail. So, um... That is, that is the power of marriage. Uh, and that's why um, this is so awesome and so important that we get this message out, that the power of marriage is that when you consider it a no-fail mission, um, our military succeeds. And our military making the world a better place succeeds. And so when you trace it all the way back, what happens in your home can change the world. And you have to believe that. So, um, that gets me to, um, when we talk about understanding what's going on in the world events, um, I have to say, I'm going to, um, throw myself under the bus here that I didn't even know where Erbil was. Um, and I, I left too quickly this morning to look it up on a map. And, um, and so I'm so appreciative of our press. I, have been so impressed with them on this trip. And I told them that today. Um, it was, I sat back and I kind of sat in the corner of a room um, where the, the press was working on um, their reports for the day. And um, they sit through briefings and, um, and they file every day, whatever they learn every day. And I've been so impressed by them and so thankful for them for the amount of learning that they have to do in order to write the right report and to get the details right and get the narrative right so that we in America know what's going on so that we know, um, what's going on in the world. And we're so dependent on them for that. And so I was personally really thankful that they knew the right questions to ask the questions that I was either too embarrassed to ask or that, um, that they knew enough already to ask the second, third, fourth questions out. And um, they work really, really hard. And one of them even said to me that sometimes um, people in America and civilians might think that they're all liberal and just trying um, to jade a story. And really, they're just trying to to serve, um, serve the people and bridge the gap, especially this group, trying to bridge the gap of civilians and military to help civilians understand what's going on in the military world and you know we in the military bubble need to step up and um if you don't know what's going on in the world we need we need to support the the press that are supporting us and let them educate us so that we can be part of bridging that gap as well so i want to give a huge shout out to the press because they were um, incredibly um impressive um, and have been wonderful people Um, i'm getting to the end of this i know this is a long one tonight i told you it might get longer and longer um, so I, um, oh, I've actually gotten through a lot more of it than I thought. So it won't be as long as I expected, but, um, I, uh, when I was talking to some of the service members, I want to make sure that I pass this along. Um, several of them, including one guy in the mail room, um, he, uh, at Erbil 
they were just so happy when you walked in the door. And I, I understood like they get to be like the gift givers when people come in to get their packages. I mean, what a great job. Um, but I asked him, you know, what do you feel like families back at home, maybe your spouse, what do you feel like they don't understand about what you do every day? And he actually said, um, actually, I think it's the reverse. He said, I don't feel like I, I understand and get what my wife does every day because she's a single mom of three kids. And I don't think that I can do that. And, um, she impresses me and, um, I feel like I don't get it. He's like, I feel like I stand around all day and, um, relax and, and sometimes, you know, just chill. And she's doing far harder work each day. And I promised him that I would share that. And, um, they're so proud of the spouses and they're so thankful for the spouses. And I will say most of the time, that's the answer that I get. Um, and one of the things that I said back was I, I thanked them for saying that on behalf of all of you. And I just said, let's just agree on this, that, what the service members do, we as spouses may not be able to do. And what the spouses do, the service members may not be able to do. But when we're each at our best, um, that's when something really amazing happens. And, and these military couples, you military couples, when you are at your best, you become a power couple. Forget Brangelina. Um, you guys become power couples when you recognize that each of you do something that the other maybe cannot do and that you need each other because of that. That's where you get an amazing marriage that recognizes the strength of each other and can then keep serving each other. And so let's, let's remember that, um, that we, we both, when we're at our best, um, make two parts make a greater whole and that's called synergy and so be your best and even if you feel like your spouse isn't trying as hard as you'd like for them to try um, I guarantee you most of the time if you surge on ahead what you'll find is that no spouse wants to be left behind and that spouse will um, probably start to jump in and start doing the hard work to better their own life because nobody wants to get left behind and um, they don't want to lose you so um, that's one way of setting good boundaries and making sure that you take care of yourself and making sure that you're constantly growing as a person. Um, otherwise, I just want to say that um, seeing um, you're, if you, I'm going to say this in my blog, um, the things that stood out to me sensory wise, hearing the constant helicopters, um, I am growing to really appreciate. And, and I know my husband has said that a lot to me, how much he appreciates hearing that, that it takes him to a really neat place in his mind. Um, the amount of gravel that I walked on, um, and I know this is going to be a theme too. <laughs> the amount of gravel that I walked on, I saw soldiers trying to run on the gravel. Um, I can understand the, the moment of taking your boots off and your socks off and walking barefoot on carpet. Um, the tents that I saw, um, the, the service, the soldiers living in, um, the cots were like low to the ground as far as like the little bunk cots. Like if you're on the bottom bunk, like you're, I would think you're almost like touching the floor and to get out, you'd have to like roll out of the bunk. Like that surprised me a lot. Um, 
And I saw, you know, when I said yesterday about the care packages and not sending like trinkets to put around, unless your your service member has a space and has a separate room or a room where there is space to put up, that's, you guys have to communicate. Um, but there's a lot of our service members that all they have is a bunk and whatever they do have, if it's something to keep, they have to hang it on their bunk. And so I can't, I can't stress enough the importance of sending things that are disposable um, toiletries that they, that's hard for them to find and uh, really good food. And, and everybody has told me, please don't send junk food because they just can't take it anymore. So healthy food options are awesome. Um, let me think what else, as far as living conditions, um, that surprised me. I saw so many things. I saw the bathrooms. Um, I saw the laundry room, the DFAC, um, there was a lot of things I couldn't take pictures of because just for security reasons, you can't take pictures. Um, but I knew that even if I took video or pictures, it would be things that you had seen probably before. Um, but, um, the tents are impressive. You know, I have to admit again, being very naive that sometimes when somebody would say that they lived in a tent, I was thinking like an actual, like pitch a tent, like when you go camping and these are much nicer tents with like ventilation and, um, and just really nice the way that they're set up. And so our military is doing a really good job taking care of our service members overseas. So I feel like I've gone on long enough. It's 30 minutes and that's a long time. We'll see if that can even upload. Um, but I really wanted to stress to you, um, the overall theme that I'm experiencing as far as the importance of our marriages and, and them staying strong, um, family members of those who have service members, daughters, sons and daughters that are serving, um, your support is just as important as if it was a married um, married couple, that your support of them is, is likely what holds them up when, um, when they need it. And so thank you guys so much for being excited for me and, um, cheering me on. And I know a lot of people are praying for me and I appreciate that. Um, I'm having lots of moments of healing in my own life and, and even in my marriage. And I can't wait to share that with, with Matt and, um, he's actually watching all these YouTube videos as, along with you guys. And so, um, I guess if there's anything for me to share on that, um, I look back and I realize that I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, and I, I don't beat myself up for that because I didn't know. Um, but once you know, um, there's great accountability and responsibility to do something different moving forward. And, um, they might've been small mistakes and they maybe when he hears these, you know, maybe they don't, they didn't really affect him that much. But to me, they were mistakes because, um, I think that I, um, didn't realize, um, how much time he needed when he came home to decompress. And, um, I didn't realize what he needed, um, from me. Um, and maybe he, um, this is an assumption. I'll have to talk to him about this, but maybe he felt like he didn't want to ask much for me because I came across so tired from a deployment that I didn't have anything left to give. And, um, what he needed was a wife who was, um, able and willing to be patient with him and let him heal and decompress. And what he needed was somebody who wasn't going to push him into making any decisions too quickly, 
um, somebody that was going to um, listen more. And I wish that I would have asked more questions. And um, so I'm looking back and seeing some mistakes that I've made. And, um, and I, all I can say is that as I sit inside a C-17 and, and picture him there, as I walk across the gravel and think about him getting up in the middle of the night and getting all of his gear on just to go to the bathroom um, across however, you know, however far away it was, um, I wish that I would have put myself in his shoes. Like, I wish I would have tried harder to do that. And it doesn't take me coming here to do that. I wish I would have listened more intently. And I wish that I would have really focused and tried to put myself in his shoes so that I could understand his joy, um, understand his pain, and so that I could have ministered to him in a better way. So um, with that, I will say good night. And I hope that you guys are having... Um, good days yourself. And I hope that you're taking some of this and making your marriages better. So until tomorrow, see you soon.